Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right, guys, we're going to carry on with the, uh, the new normal series, the kingdom of God. And I got a lot to say today, so I'm going to be kind of just going to jump right into it. Nobody laughs at my jokes anyways, so I'll, I'll spare you all. I'll spare you all. All right, so we're, yeah, we're going to get right into it. We've been talking about the, uh, you, you've heard the phrase the normal, right? The, you know, it's what's going to what's life going to look like after COVID? You know, there's going to be a new normal. And so we are talking about the kingdom of God because we really want to frame a picture of whatever your new normal is going to be, whatever it looks like. I mean, the kingdom of God and, and what God has done for us and the authority he's given us and the blessings and the inheritance and everything that we have in the kingdom of God has to be part of what that new normal looks like, right? We're not, we're, there's a new normal that Jesus came and introduced 2,000 years ago, and it didn't begin post-COVID, right? It began when he ascended and he poured out the Holy Spirit and he said, hey guys, here's a new way to live. Here's a new power. Here's a new authority. Here's something else that you're going to be able to experience in life. It's kind of like you've been kinged. It's like checkers, you know, you play the board, you get to the other side and you get kinged and all of a sudden you different abilities that you had before. You've got different things that you're able to do, access to different things. Well, that's what happens when we're born again and we're in the kingdom of God. So we started off this series. Pastor Carl was talking and he started with Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And it says this, there is an evil that I've seen under the sun. This is uh, King Solomon talking. And he says, there's an evil I've seen under the sun. I on horses while princes walk on the ground like servants. That is not interesting. I've seen, I've seen servants on horses while princes walk on the ground like servants. So back in that day, if you were royalty, you had certain privileges and abilities. You were able to navigate the world in a way that other people weren't. So to, to, to travel from one place to another, to, to communicate your prestige and your position, you would, you would be on a horse. You wouldn't have to walk on the ground like all the rest of the soldiers or the servants. You were on horseback. And he's saying there's an evil in the earth. There's people who don't understand the privileges that they have. There's people who don't understand the status that they've been given, and they're walking below the status, below the privilege. And they're actually walking on the earth. And I think that's really interesting. Their lives are earthbound. They're stuck to the contours of the earth rather than being seated with Christ in heavenly places. Because there's a situation that's paralleled in the church where the royal family of God doesn't understand, you know, the privileges and the inheritance that we have. And so we live below. We live a life that's less than what God's given us. We're not riding the horse. We're not living out of being seated with him in heavenly places. So there's a parallel there. But what we want to talk about, the kingdom and the new normal, like I said, is we want our expectations for normal life to be viewed like on top of the horse. We want our normal to look like what the kingdom of God has given us. Uh, Living a life that's seated and framed and approached from a restored position of authority and royalty in our own personal identities. So we looked at the kingdom, and we talked about the ruler. We talked about Jesus, the kingmaker. And we talked about this king, this different kind of king, who uses his power and authority to make other people powerful. He doesn't hoard power to himself. He doesn't uh, eliminate his rivals. He gives power. He gives authority. He doesn't use his power to control people, but to love people. That's just a different kind of king, eh? So different. We talked about the realm. There's a realm for this kingdom where the will and the ways of God are welcomed. Experience. There's a rule. There's a rule of the kingdom. 
Yo, Canada's a, uh, we've got we've got laws, we've got rules. The kingdom of God has rules. It has it has a rule, and it's it's quite simple actually. It's believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and love one another as I have loved you. That's that's really it. So we talked about that rule, what it looks like when you live it out in your home, in your relationships, at your workplace, in the church, in the world. And basically, the rule looks like ascribing infinite value and worth to other people and being able to love people and get along and do life together and serve and prefer the other person. Each one, perhaps their approach to life might be a little bit different than yours, right? We're constantly giving honor and value and, and esteem to other people. We looked at the church, God's chosen vessel, where he said, you know, you guys, I'm calling you out, and I'm giving you my authority and power, and it's going to be through you guys, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, it's going to be through you guys that I'm actually going to manifest all, this, all the authority, all the rule, all the power, everything about the kingdom is going to get manifested through you guys. Isn't that amazing? There is a kingdom, and God wants to express everything that he is in the earth, but he's going to do it unilaterally by himself. He's going to do it through us. And he's limited and confined himself to doing it through us, which is amazing. So in the, in the, the equipping process, how we get keys of the kingdom in order to actually begin to do this is we've learned last week and the week before out of Matthew 16, what Pastor Carl was preaching, that there's blessing, there's identity, there's power and authority to accomplish this task that the church has been given through the direct personal revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ to each one of us. So, you know, Jesus says to Peter, uh, who do men say that I am? And he tells them, and then he's like, okay, that's great, Peter, but you say that I am. And Peter says, oh, you're Christ, you're the son of the living God. And uh, Jesus is ecstatic. He's like, wow, he got it. Somebody had a revelation from heaven. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to give you the keys. He's like, I'm going to build my church on that revelation alive in a people, and I'm going to give you the key of the kingdom. And you're going to be able to open every door. So brings that kind of access, that ability to open keys. What does it look like? So for example, imagine there's a, there's a locked door of sickness in your world. Let's just pick on sickness because there's a worldwide sickness going on. So what is the key? What is the key to the kingdom to open the door of sickness, to unlock health and healing? Well, here it is. By his stripes, you were healed. That's it. And when you know that, I mean, when you've got that as revelation, that's the key. The key is not the six steps how to do it. The key is, wow, it's already been done, and I know it's been done. And now that faith is and active in me, and I speak it, and I expect it, and I proclaim it, and I pray it, and I declare it over people, and it happens, because I believe it. There's a revelation. Something got awakened in me, and it didn't come to me by books or by learning, but God the Father himself awakened me to the reality of that key. And all of a sudden, I can do that. And the same is true for, for offering. That's why we do an offering teaching. You know, you get revelation. You know, God said, you know, if you want, you give. Give, and it'll be given unto you. Press shake together for good measure. Will men give into your bosom, right? You get the revelation. You understand that God the Father is generous, and he's invited you into this participation of giving and receiving. You get that revelation, and you sow in faith, and all of a sudden, things start opening for you. It's revelation. It, it's understanding something by faith. The keys are just that, direct revelation from God operated in your life by faith. So, I mean, if, if this is the way, if this is how we're going to run around unlocking doors and loosing the kingdom and the power of God in the world, we got to understand this dynamic called revelation. We got to understand it. So, we're going to unpack that a little bit today. We're going to talk about what it is, where it comes from, how do you get it, how do you apply it, and then what does it look like when it's lived out. So, we're going to do a whole bunch of stuff in like 20 minutes. 
At least that's my hope. But my honest prayer is today that the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you haven't experienced today, more than you hear something, that the spirit of God opens something in your heart and you see something of Jesus Christ a little bit different today because the spirit of God touches you and he moves something in your heart. So revelation, what is it? It's one of those words, eh? We all kind of hear it. It's a, a book of the Bible. But what is this thing? So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 11, Jesus had just told his disciples uh, the parable of the sower and the seed. And he said, you know what? This thing is so important. If you don't get this parable, you're not really going to understand anything else. This, this is key. This is the big one. So he tells them the parable, and then he explains it to them. And the disciples are like, well, Jesus, how can you, how can you take the time to explain it to us, but everybody else, you just speak in parables? And Jesus says the most amazing thing. He says, you know what? It's been given to you guys to know the mysteries of the kingdom. It's been given to you to know the mysteries. I don't know if that, I, I like those kind of things. I like revelation. I like that kind of heavenly information. And it makes me feel really, really good to know that Jesus has personally chosen me. Jesus has chosen me. He's decided that he wants me to understand the mysteries of the kingdom and all of you too. You know, God's not that kind of person who's just all about like hide and seek and I'm hiding things and I'm going to put you in this perpetual struggle of trying to understand and figure out and get revelation that's always elusive and you're never able to attain. God's nature is to reveal things. God is light, right? In him, there is no darkness. He wants to reveal everything. So he says to them, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now, mysteries, that word, it actually means something hidden, something not obvious to the understanding. So there's things that are hidden, not obvious to the understanding. And what revelation does, the Greek word for reveal or revelation, it's actually apocalypsis, which means to unveil. To, so, I mean, if I put you know, a blanket over top of this water bottle, you might look at it and be like, oh, that's weird. I don't know what that is. Then I lift the veil and you see it. That's revelation. So what revelation is, is the Spirit of God at work in your life unveiling things that are hidden, things that you don't necessarily understand. They're covered by our natural thinking. Fear, doubt, self-centeredness, sin, the knowledge of good and evil, all of these forces conspire against us to keep us ignorant to the things of God. But revelation is a grace that comes from God to unveil and to unveil himself, to, to, to unveil his kingdom so that we see life, we see his kingdom, we see him the way that he does. It's to see things the way that God does, unobstructed by anything, unveiled by everything. So kingdom revelation is to see what God sees, to see how he sees and to have all the veils and all the stuff stripped away. So that's revelation. Now, where does this come from? Well, remember, Jesus asked Peter, you know what, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He says, you know, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And then Jesus says back to him, he says, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books. You didn't get it from teachers. You, my father in heaven, God himself lets you in on the secret of who I really am. See, the revelation that acts as a key to unlock access to all that God is and all that he has is not something that you can understand, and it's not something you can generate with your own mind or your own intellect. You can't study it. You can't go to school for it. You can't even listen to sermons for it. I mean, you got to listen, but I hope when you're listening, you're listening and the Spirit of God is speaking on the inside of you, and you're hearing the Spirit of Jesus in somebody. That, that's where revelation is. That's where it comes from. It comes from God. You can't study, listen, learn, or theologize yourself into understanding the hidden things of the kingdom. You just can't do it. The human mind can't do this. So it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, As it is written, eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. 
There's things God has prepared for us that you can't even think about. They're beyond your wildest imagination. You can't understand them. You can't see them. But it says, God has revealed them to us by his Holy Spirit. God reveals things to us through his Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? It goes on to say, you know what? The natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And he can't even know them because they're spiritually discerned. So by yourself, unaided by the grace of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, you can't understand the things of God. Do you know what that, that, you know, that could sound like a really negative thing, but you know what that shows me? That shows me that God himself has taken on the responsibility of revealing himself to me. So the question isn't, can I hear God? Is God speaking to me and do I have the ability to hear him? The question is, does God have the ability to communicate with me? And of course he does. He can get through. He can break through. It's all about the spirit of God and his ability. And you know what? If you believe, if you answer that question, yeah, I believe that God can speak to me, you're going to start to hear him. But if you think that it's about you and you think that it's about your ability to hear the voice of God, you know, it's going to be a struggle because you're constantly going to be trying to hear this thing that's already ringing loud and clear inside of you. So Jesus himself takes on responsibility. My sheep know my voice. They will hear my voice. That's, a, that's an emphatic declaration. That's not a challenge. Like Jesus isn't saying, I challenge you to hear my voice. I'm calling you up to a higher level where you start to hear God. He's saying, no, no, no. My sheep will hear my voice. It's innate. It's built into you. It's the spirit of God inside of you is so overwhelmingly competent at communicating the heart and the mind and the will of God to you that you can't help it. You are going to hear him. So here's the, here's the million dollar question. How do we get this thing called revelation? If only God can give it, how do I get it? And if all the keys of the kingdom operate by this principle of revelation and application through faith, how do I, how do I get it? Right? I mean, come on, tell me that. If you know that, you're, you're literally, your life is going to be revolutionized. Peter says that all things pertaining to life and godliness have been given to you through the true knowledge of him who called you by his own glory and virtue. Everything in life is unpacked by the true knowledge of God in your life. So, I mean, this is a big thing. How do I get this revelation? How do I start to turn the key? Emphatically, there's one word, grace. You get it by grace. Grace is a free gift. It's God's gift to you. It's not something that you earn. You don't earn the ability to hear the voice of God. You don't twist his arm to get him to speak to you. He's speaking, and he's speaking freely. And he's just giving you his voice constantly, continually, grace upon grace, with the wave of grace. And a wave of grace is a wave of communication. What good is grace if I can't actually receive it, understand it, embrace it, and benefit from it? Grace comes to you, grace upon grace upon grace, and with it, an awakening, with it, a, a, an awareness of what it's doing and producing in your life. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Paul says, I'm always thanking my God for you because he's given you such free and open access to his grace through your union with Jesus the Messiah. In him, in Jesus, in Jesus, you've been made extravagantly rich in every way. You have been, have been, past tense, have been endowed with a wealth of inspired utterance and the riches that come from your intimate knowledge of him. You have been endowed. God's greatest secret mystery, that thing about God's person and plan that was hidden all along, 
by unaided understanding of naturally minded men, sin infected, knowledge of good and evil, distorted minds has been plainly and clearly revealed. The mystery kept hidden from ages past has been revealed as Christ in you, the hope of glory. God's in the business of making things known, not hiding them. You know, our, our, our quest for revelation and understanding and knowledge, it shouldn't be a, a labored quest. God has decided, I want you. I mean, on the cross, we talked about, Pastor Cheryl talked about how Jesus came and he fully disclosed who God is. That's the nature of God. I mean, you can't get any more, you know, vulnerable and naked than hanging naked on a tree and saying, here you go, guys, this is it. This is the full and the complete picture. I'm not holding anything back. You can see me for all that I am. Isn't that amazing? God's nature is to reveal, not to hide, but to reveal. So Colossians chapter 2, he talks about attaining to the, the riches of full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery, both of the Father and Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in the person of Jesus Christ. All the mysteries, all the knowledge, all the revelation of the whole universe, the whole cosmos, the whole Godhead, everything is hidden in the person of Jesus. And Paul goes on to say in Colossians 2 verse 4, he says, now I'm telling you this so that nobody deceives you with wise and persuasive words. Because who knows, there's a, there's a wisdom out there that's, that's deceptive. It sounds good. It sounds right. There's knowledge sources. There's revelation sources outside of the person of Jesus. And, you know, it's the same problem that Adam and Eve had when they looked at the tree. And they saw the fruit on the tree and it said, wow, that looked like it was good for making one wise. There is a, there's, a, there's a kind of forbidden knowledge. And it's knowledge that comes outside of the person of Jesus Christ. So John 1.4 says, in him was life, in Jesus was life, and life was the light of men. So we talk about light, and we talk about things like, uh, you know, I, that person's enlightened. Or, you know, the light bulb came on. We have all these euphemisms for light, right? And when the light comes on, the light bulb switches, or uh, you get enlightened. We're talking about you've come to know something. You've become aware of something. Now, in Jesus, in his life, is light. And I'm telling you, if you can get this, there's nothing off limits to you in the kingdom of God in, in terms of revelation. I mean, there's no experience. There's no nothing that you can't have. Jesus is the door. He's, there, there's other doors and windows and, the, you know, there's thieves and robbers that hop in and there's weird ways to access stuff. But if you go in through the life of Jesus, you can literally experience everything. I mean, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Wouldn't it be nice to open our eyes and have a look and see what's going on? The Bible says, you know, you died with Christ, you're seated with him. Now, you know, set your eyes on or your mind on those things where he is. Who'd like to see those things? Well, I'm telling you right now, you can if you go in through the door of Jesus and his life. In him was life and that life was the light of all men. So if you have Jesus, you have access to all of the revelation of heaven. If you have Jesus, you literally have access to all of the knowledge of everything you could ever want to know about God. The kingdom, of, that sounds too amazing to understand, right? I mean, our brains can't handle that, but your spirit can. Your brain can't get it. Who's ever known something? You, you got it in your spirit, but you can't put words to it. Or you hear a word and you're just like, yeah, I, I agree with that, but you never thought about it before. That's your spirit. Your spirit is awake. The, the trick of life is letting your mind catch up to what your spirit already knows. I think that's Dr. Caroline Leaf. So here's the thing. You know, your inclusion in Christ is the source of all revelation. It's the source of all light. It's the source of all knowledge. 
And your inclusion into Jesus is not something that you decide, you make a decision about, a commitment to. It's not something you study yourself into. It's something you recognize and you accept. And you, when you recognize and you accept that you have been included in him and he lives inside of you, all of a sudden, this stream of light and revelation by his life and his spirit on the inside of you becomes alive to you. And you start to, you start to recognize things, see things, hear things, perceive things that you never did before. And it's not because you learned a technique or you got really spiritual. It's you've realized, wow, the spirit of Christ lives inside of me and I, I'm, I'm one with him. I have access to his mind. I have access to the very mind, the very will, the very consciousness of Jesus Christ right now at the right hand of the Father is in me. We are sharing headspace. Isn't that amazing? I get to process life. I get to see things through the very eyes of Jesus Christ, not like him, but through his eyes. I, I have, we have the mind of Christ. That's not a nice saying for, you know, you're going to get to study your Bible and maybe think differently about a topic. That's you and Jesus are so one that you're actually thinking the same thoughts as him. How's that for revelation? Right? Come on, you can't get any better than that. Now, here's the thing. Back in Paul day, Paul's day, there was this group of people called the Gnostics, and they believed in secret knowledge. They believed that the way to advance in your Christian life or whatever spirituality you embraced was through... Uh, secret knowledge, but the secret knowledge could only come to you if you, you know, performed certain religious rites and practices and ceremonies, or you behaved in a certain way. Now, unfortunately, that, that kind of thinking is alive and real today, too, even in the Church of Jesus Christ, where there, there's teachings that say, you know what, if you, for example, if you will fast, if you will do this, if you will do X, Y, and Z, then you're going to hear the voice of God. But you know what? The fasting's good. All that stuff, that's great. If you're into that, go for it. But the, the, the focus of those things should be on the grace of Jesus. Those things should aid you in drawing from his grace and his love. They're not things that you do in order to earn something or get something or acquire something. So there's a free, steady source of information that's just flowing to you just by recognizing, wow, Jesus is in me. And we got to reject all of these kind of uh, things that people would put on you or the internal inclination to say, God will give me more of himself. He'll help me understand more if I do X, Y, or Z. And the thing is, a lot of us are really, really good at creating those X, Y, or Zs. And we got to let it go. You know, we've probably all got our own unique X, Y, and Z. You know, some of us might say, you know, I need to do this. Others might say, I need to do that. But I'll tell you what, you will hear the voice of Jesus just by letting that go because he's speaking to you, and it's free, and it's by grace. Now, this, this group of people, another thing that they taught was that there were secret knowledge and mysteries outside of the person of Jesus. And again, unfortunately, that's something that sometimes we hear in the church again. You know, I'm, I'm leaving behind Jesus. I'm leaving behind Christ crucified. I wanted, that's, that's, the, that's the milk. I want to get into the solid meat. You know, I want, to, I want to get past those basic fundamental things of Jesus and him crucified, and I want to get into the more uh, heavenly stuff, or I want to get into the more serious practical stuff, whatever it is. But if you do that, if you've decided that you are going to leave Jesus behind, leave behind Christ crucified, the Bible says in Colossians 2 that you've actually started intruding into those things which you've not seen, vainly puffed up by your fleshly mind. Now, that sounds a little bit heavy, but here's the thing. Everything that God wants to communicate to us is in and through the person of Jesus. There's no graduating past Christ. You don't get to a next level past him. Think about the Apostle Paul, this guy who walked in the most amazing revelation, and he said, you know what? I've determined amongst you to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. That's a good example to follow, eh? 
Here's a guy whose letters we're still reading 2,000 years ago because they contain the life of Christ in it. So here's the thing. Revelation knowledge, it comes as a grace gift wrapped in the person of Jesus Christ, unveiled and made plain by the abiding anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you've got Jesus inside of you, you've got the light, the life, the revelation of heaven inside of you already, and you've been given an anointing, it says in 1 John 2, that abides with you, remains with you, is never going to leave you. There's an anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life to continually unpack who Jesus is and who you are in him. And you know what? That's not something that's far away. You know, there's a revelation that comes and it brings faith to you. And you're saying, well, I I struggle. I don't have faith. I don't have faith to hear the voice of God. I don't have faith to prophesy. I don't have faith to step out in revelation. But the Bible says that God's given to every man the measure of faith. We've all got a measure of faith. And the Bible says, you know what? The righteousness of faith, it speaks this way. Listen to this. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. There's a word inside of every human being. The word of God has already been planted in everything, in everyone. Jesus took on himself. He embraced all of humanity in himself. And the word of God is in your heart. It's in your mouth already. It's not out there. It's not far away. What's left for you to do is to confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. Now, isn't that a different paradigm, too, for like trying to share the gospel with somebody? Imagine you you were to see somebody and instead of saying, you know what, you're, you're so foreign and so alienated from God that you just can't hear or say anything. Let me teach you and let me bring to you to a point of decision. Instead, you can see people out there and the Bible says that the word is actually near everybody. The word is in the mouth and in the heart of all of humanity. What's left is for you to confess it. It's in your mouth. Open your mouth and I'll fill it, said the Lord, right? So that word of faith, it's in your mouth. It's already in your heart. What you need to do is speak it and believe it. And that's what we encourage people to do. But the word of God, it's not far from anybody here today. The word of God is in your mouth. It's in your heart right now. I'm praying that you're hearing it. We're not in a Gnostic pursuit of revelation. His voice, his word, the constant continuing unveiling of who he is, who we are in him, and what he's made available to us with the keys of the kingdom. It's a constant daily reality in your life, whether you know it or not. He's speaking to you, and you can innately hear his voice. And when you do, when you hear, when you recognize his voice speaking to you, that activates the measure of faith. See, faith is not something either that you work up to. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So the communication of God to you brings its own faith. It supplies the faith to you. It doesn't demand faith from you. So the the message isn't necessarily, hey, let me tell you something. Now I challenge you to believe it. The the actual, the, the work here is to communicate the right message and it supplies faith to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So when I get it, when I get this revelation, how do I apply it? How do I apply? Well, here's the thing. You just say yes to it. You just say yes. You say yes, let it be. Mary, Jesus' mom, amazing example of how this works out. So an angel came and basically preached the gospel to Mary and said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And what will be born of you will be called the Son of God. Isn't, wouldn't that be an amazing way to preach the gospel too? Hey, Holy Spirit's going to do something significant in your life right now. You're going to recognize it, and all of a sudden, Jesus is going to be born inside of you. Something of the nature and the person of Jesus Christ is going to start to come forth out of your life. So then Mary said, this is Mary's response. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She defined herself by that word. So here's the key. Here's the key of revelation. By his stripes you are healed. All of a sudden, I apply that revelation in my life, and I say, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. 
I start to define myself by that word. You know, the Bible says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I let that word start to define me. Wow, I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I let the word define me. I let it work in me. And then I say yes to it. I say, yes, let it be unto me according to your word. Let the fruits of your holiness, let the fruits of your redemption, let the fruits of your righteousness start to unpack itself in my life. Let it be unto me according to your word. Because there's a word that comes and it has the power in it. It's seed, like Pastor talked about last week. There's a word and a revelation that comes and within it has the power to create and to produce what it got sent into your life to do. So there's a word that says you are holy. You're without blame, above reproach in his sight. And you're struggling with that. And you're like, man, but I'm constantly living accused. I don't understand. Let the word define you. Apply the revelation. That word comes all of a sudden. Wow, God doesn't hold me uh, to account. He's not blaming me for anything. Wow, I'm blameless. You let it define you and you let it work itself out in your life. And all of a sudden you start to find yourself thinking the thoughts of Jesus. You find yourself starting to, to, to live in his consciousness. And, and if the issue for you is condemnation, all of a sudden that condemnation starts to go because you're letting the revelation define you instead of the condemnation. You're finding all of a sudden that inside of you, there's a new impulse. There's a new light. There's a new source of revelation. And, and you start to think about yourself differently. And you're, you're not even trying to. It's because Jesus Christ, the light of life is inside of you. And all of a sudden, you're seeing the world in a much different way. Well, finally, I want to just give you, I know there's a lot of stuff. I feel like I'm just kind of throwing stuff out there today. But I want to give you a picture of what it looks like to walk in Revelation. Remember how we started uh, today, but also the whole sermon series, talking about people who were living below their privilege. Servants who should be on horses navigating life from a position of great authority and privilege and status, but they're not. Well, hopefully over the last eight weeks, we've been able to you know, paint a picture for you and help you to see the difference there. The deficit in their life is one of revelation. It's they don't know that they could be on the horse. They don't know what their rights and privileges are, and they don't know how to walk in it. But the good news is the Bible gives us a really good picture of somebody who does. The Bible gives us an amazing picture of what it looks like to ride that horse, so to speak, and to live in the fullness of Revelation. And you can find the picture of it in Revelation, no surprise, chapter 19, verses 11. It says, now I saw heaven opened. Isn't that good? Now I saw heaven opened. Now there's a revelation from heaven for everybody. Now you can see. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for the sweet by and by, and you don't have to wait to qualify. You've been qualified. You don't need to wait until you learn anything. Now, I saw heaven opened. Now, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Here's a guy sitting on a horse. He's not walking on the ground. He's riding the horse. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and, in his, and his name was called the Word of God. There's a guy riding the horse. There's a guy out there showing all of humanity what it looks like to live in the revelation, to turn the keys of the kingdom, and to live in the authority. Not walking on the ground below is a station or authority, and the person who does that is Jesus. And if you look and you study and you just kind of let the imagery just kind of wash over you, the one who rides the horse is called faithful and true. Jesus, the faithful and true one, living in his status, he was and ever shall be full of faith. He's living in the reality of the unveiled truth of God. The person who rides the horse, the prince that gets back up on his spot, he's the one who's living and letting the revelation of God define his life and his identity.
It says his eyes were like flames of fire. His eyes, the Bible talks about eyes as the lamp of the spirit or windows to the soul. And you could see the flames of fire in his eyes. He was inwardly possessed and outwardly manifesting the love of God. He was crowned with an identity that came from God personally. His robes, his clothes, they were dipped in blood. Not in the blood of his enemies, but his own blood. His overcoming, redeeming, life-healing, conquering blood. We can let that be true of us too. And it says he was called the word of God. The one who rides on the horse is an embodiment of the revelation of God, which the spirit of God is at work in each one of us to do. And when you let the revelation of who Jesus is, that revelation, that communication of God that is active inside of you already, when you let it start to define you, when you listen to it, when you hear it, when you let it define your life and you say yes to it, what you're going to discover is that you're already seated on that horse with Jesus. You're already seated with him in heavenly places. You are not on this big quest to kind of pull revelation down out of heaven. In fact, the Bible says, you know, who's, who can say they went down and called Christ up? Who can say they went up and brought him down? No, you can't do that because the word's already in you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. So when, you, when your eyes are open, you see, wow, I'm actually already seated with him in heavenly places. I actually have everything I feel like I'm struggling to get. And when you get that revelation, you, you know, so to speak, get back on the horse, but you see you're already there, full of faith, full of truth. You are full of love because you've got the Spirit of God inside of you loving you. You do have an identity. You might not fully comprehend it, but you do. God has spoken a word over you that's given you identity. And we sang about it today. I'm a child of God. Right? This is who I am, loved by a loving father. You see that you are redeemed, qualified, delivered, and you are an overcomer by the blood of Jesus. Everything you see about him on the horse is true of you. You're living, you're breathing, you are, you are an embodied revelation of God himself in the world. And if you read through Revelation 19, it actually says that this guy on the horse, he's not just sitting on the horse, it says he's making war with the sword that comes out of his mouth. And all of a sudden, I mean, you get that revelation. You see yourself in him. You see yourself seated in that horse in Christ Jesus. You see yourself in heavenly places with him, seated with him. You're going to start to make war against falsehood and false identities with the word of your mouth. There's no longer a strife and a struggle. Remember, David couldn't build the temple because he was a man of blood, but Solomon got to, got to live in the house of God. He got to build the house of God because he, he knew how to rule with wisdom and out of his mouth. There was a struggle and a violent struggle that his father David accomplished. Jesus accomplished a violent struggle for us. Now we rule and now we reign by what we speak out of our mouths, right? Moses couldn't get into the promised land because he, he acted all violently. He smacked the rock when he should have spoke to it. It already got smacked. So there's a, there's, a, there's a learning how to ride this horse that has to do with speaking out of your mouth. And that might be for another day. But if you can see yourself in Christ, if you can see yourself seated with him in heavenly places, you can start to live in all the benefits and everything that's been secured for you. That's what the power of revelation will do in your life. It will restore you. It'll restore your confidence and your vision. And it'll bring to you a freeness, a lightness, a freedom to hear and to live out of the preceding word of God. Because there's a word that proceeds every day. So we need this revelation. We need kingdom revelation. You got it. It's actually already happening in you today. The spirit of God is speaking. He is testifying in your heart. Jesus embodies the full disclosure of God and he lives on the inside of you. There's a rhema word that's bringing revelation, supplying faith to your life right now. You have the measure of faith. You do. You're not in a struggle to get more of it. Faith comes by hearing. Just relax. Just chill. Just hear the voice of God. The one who lives inside of you is called the word of God. I mean, he is constantly communicating. That is his nature. 
I'll tell you what, if you, if you, will, if you will relax in this, you'll hear, you know what, that word, it's not far away. It's in your heart, it's in your mouth, and it's shaping for you the new normal of your kingdom realities. Amen? Amen. That's what I got for you guys today. Kingdom revelation. Kingdom revelation and, and seeing yourself in Jesus, the one who rides the horse. Can we all stand up together? All right, so if there's anybody here today who you, you've never, you know, said, you know what, I, I see Jesus, I accept him, I embrace his love for me, I want to invite you right now, maybe you're watching online too, uh, just put your hand up, even if you're at home, even if you're watching somewhere, just stick your hand up in the air, just do something that says, you know what, I'm, I'm recognizing, I'm seeing something of Jesus today. So if that's you, I just invite you today, just, just put your hand up just to say, you know what, I want to know Jesus, I want to know this person who loves me. If that's you today, go for it. Ready? One, two, three. Just pop your hand up real high. At home, too. It's really this easy, guys. It really is. Jesus has done everything for us. He has fulfilled all of the obligations of humanity to be in right relationship with God. So I'm going to pray for you. Ready, Father? I thank you so much. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you love us so much that you're communicating to us every single day. I pray, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. I pray for the Holy Spirit testifying on the inside of us, telling us that we're deeply loved children of God, that that voice would be the predominant uh, voice in our lives, that the grace to hear your voice would be something that is just imparted to everybody and it becomes a new free experience in everybody's life, that it would be louder than and every other voice in the world, and the confidence to step out in the revelation that you give us on a daily basis about your love, about our lives, just about friendship with you. I ask that that would be a new, ongoing, continuous experience in everybody's life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless you guys.